Ciao, buongiorno ragazzi. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to another edition of the Inter Worldwide Podcast. I'll start straight away by introducing my guest, Bruno. How you doing, man? It's good to have you. Yeah, it's good to be back, mate. How are you? Oh, we're fantastic. I'm sure Alessandro's good as well. Alessandro, thanks for joining us from San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm great here. It's uh, almost almost midnight, but happy to talk to you guys. Awesome. Sounds good. And we've got a lot to cover, and I apologize for the lapse in episodes. It's, I think it's almost been a fortnight, but a lot has happened in not only the last 24 to 48 hours, but across the last week in general. Inter have officially welcomed Alexis Sanchez to the team. Mauro Icardi has departed for PSG. We have won our second game of the season by winning a tricky fixture in Sardinia against Raja Nangolan's Cagliari. And we have closed the Mercato and we've moved into an international break. So those are the topics that we are going to cover today. And I'm going to start with the result against Cagliari so that we can keep the match day fixture ball rolling. Uh, both of you gentlemen, I'll start with Bruno. Bruno, what did you think of the match against Cagliari before I tell you what I think? And who stood out for you as the, the better performers in that match? And who would you say maybe fell a little bit short uh, in Sardinia? Uh, look, um, look, three points is three points. And at the end of the day, the boys got the job done. Um, I feel Antonio Conte, the Cagliari match showed that there's a lot of work to be done within the team still. Um, we were fortunate enough to have two not so difficult fixtures to start with, like Lecce and um, Gallieri, and getting those six points was critical. And I feel the international break came at the perfect time for Inter because now Conte can take his boys back to the training ground and fine-tune what needs to be done. But it was very impressive to see how they banded together. And I believe we all stated if this was uh, 12 months ago at the Spalletti, we would have dropped points or even lost that game. They just have that winning mentality and you know it's fantastic to see we've scored what now six goals in two games which is unheard of for Inter to start with and five different goal scorers well we, we before the season started we're struggling to find someone who could play up front now we've got five different goal scorers out of six goals and our most expensive signing ever in uh, Romelu Lukaku has uh, scored on both his first and second appearance for the club. So I feel, look, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, standout performance, uh, I, I feel like I'm going to be saying this a lot this season, is uh, Sensi. I feel he's the bargain buy. And he's just, he, uh, you, you expect that he's going to drop and he's going to fall back and do something, stuff up. But he's just always on there. And, He's playing a very attacking game of football, and it's beautiful to see. He won that second that penalty, which led to the second goal, and it, it was a masterstroke. Like he knows what to do. He's he's a sponge, and I feel like that's why um, Contes picked Spallet, uh, Sensi a lot over Barella because Barella's set in his ways, whereas Sensi's learning still, and Sensi is a sponge to Conte, and whatever Conte says, Sensi's going to go out there and do. It. Um, in regards to our team performance as a whole, again, three points is three points. You can only beat the teams that are in front of you. And to start the season off with six out of six is fantastic. Um, and sitting on top of the table on goal difference is even better. Um, but look, 
I feel uh, there's still a couple of things. And you've got to think, you know, we've got Renocchio and D'Ambrosio at the back um, with Spreña. We've still got Godin to jump on, the Fry to jump on. Like, we've got a surplus of players and it just feels good to be in this position. Man, very, very well said. I suggest if you're listening to the podcast, you rewind that and play that back. So many good points. Sensi has been spectacular. He's been an absolute diamond. Five million euro loan up front with an option to buy, which we probably will. Completely snaked him from Milan while they were trying to lowball Sassuolo. That's the Conte effect. That's the Marotta effect. That turn is nothing, nothing more than sheer class and a high footballing IQ and an ability to read the game at every single level. He can pick up the ball deep. He presses up into the middle to push through a pass. And then he's the one leading the counter-attack and running through, uh, running through on goal as well. So all aboard the Stefano Sensi hype train. As well as what Bruno said, I would have to agree. I think getting six points out of six is fantastic. We lost that game 2-1 last season, and it should have been 3-1 because Uno Dinoy and Nicola Barella missed a penalty to make it 3-1 and almost let us back into the game with about two minutes left, but it wasn't to be, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I'd have to agree with most of what Bruno said. Uh, Alessandro, did you manage to catch the Cagliari game, and who would stood out for you and who didn't stand out? Who do you think was a little bit short? Yeah, I was able to watch pretty much the whole game. I missed the, the first 10 minutes, but apparently I didn't miss that much. Um, and I think you guys said everything already. I guess I can go. <laughs> I can't leave. Um, no, the only thing um, on both games, uh, I feel like Vecino wasn't uh, the best player, probably, when we're going to have Barana. Um, integrated it would be a plus and um as as uh, bruno was saying um yeah we, we still have godin and the fry to put in the mix and uh i mean we have candrela on the right that is doing great stuff as was really good i think after sensi probably the best player of the game uh, versus Cagliari. So, yeah, so far, the first game, I, um, from, from my point of view, was way better. But uh, Cagliari was hard. And even having a team pressing you 90 minutes in those weather conditions, that's tough. That's going to be tough for all the, the teams that are going to play there. Um, without mentioning whatever happened understands but that's that's a different topic yeah absolutely and we'll yeah talk and about go on bruno yeah look uh, i have to disagree with alessandro with the whole vecino thing the first game and i've always been a advocate of vecino he has been a great player for inter and the first game he contributed so much by doing so little he was doing these runs up and down the pitch without even touching the ball, but he was taking two, three defenders with him or two, three midfielders with him. And his movements without the ball caused a lot of gaps to open. Now, Gallieri, he was a lot less effective, but it's still, it's still early times. And we still got Sanchez to chuck into there too. So you've got to think there's a lot to do here. And I'm just happy to see him on that Champions League list. 
There you go, man. I, I'd agree a little bit with Bruno and a little bit with Alessandro. I don't think Vecino offers as much as our other midfielders in technicality-wise. We all know that. But I definitely noticed against Lecce and Cagliari his purpose. And I think that's the Conte effect. Conte is such a systematic manager. He will delegate a different job role to every man on that pitch. How the hell do you think he got the most bang-average Italian team of the 21st century to go toe-to-toe in the Euros 2016 so well? So he's good like that. And if he keeps putting faith in Vecino, I've got faith as well. But I definitely echo Alessandro's thoughts that Barella is only one or two games away from being in that starting 11. We will talk a little bit about the um, Romelu Lukaku issue in terms of racism without obviously getting emotionally involved. Uh, Alessandro, I know you've spent some time in Italy in the past, so we'll keep it brief. In terms of maybe doing something about this in Italy and solving this problem of just these these constant fascist, racist chants, do you see a stopping point or a solution, Alessandro? Well, I, I spent most of my life in Italy, um, as you can tell from my thick accent. And um, I mean, if you read the statement that the Kurbanor released just today, that's the the, the image of the situation in Italy, because you cannot deny what is so clear in front of you. That's um, that's crazy. I mean, saying that there is not racism, it's it's unbelievable. Justifying them, um, it's it's even worse. And um, but it's a reflection of the the society over there. Uh, Close-minded, really really um i don't know i don't know how to express uh, all the disgust that i have but if you look at who is in charge in italy in this moment and uh, what he's saying is basically justifying all these other people and uh, it doesn't matter that it's just soccer because soccer is a really important thing in italy um it's like I don't know, uh, I like food or religion or family, you know, uh, there is no, no matter what you talk about it, you go watch the game or nobody doesn't have uh, a team to support in Italy. You know, it's, it's stronger than many other things there. So if you change that, maybe you change, you can start changing your society. A little bit at the time, so I, I completely stand with what um, Lukaku was saying, and I, I disagree completely with the statement of Kuranot. And it's not the first time. I don't know who they are, but I don't think they represent Inter at all. At least not me. Very well said, man. I like it, and I'd, I'd have to agree with pretty much everything that you've said. It's 2019 and these kind of issues absolutely have to stop. Um, Bruno, your thoughts on the Lukaku and any reaction to that? Yeah, look, I, I feel there's a certain element between passion for the game and blatant disrespect for the game. And even when um, it was the Inter-Napoli fixture and there was those racist chants to Kubale, Ultimately, Inter ended up paying the price and they were racist. Simple as that. And at the end of the day, you look at 
um, the sport in general. Um, and it's very prominent in Europe, but more specifically Italy. It's a culture which they are yet to change and yet to um, adapt. And it, it is a damper on what seems to be in a fantastic league. Like the Serie A, if they want to be the best in the world, they need to stamp this stuff out. And unfortunately, it's, it's, it's small-minded people who ruin it for the game. And I remember last season when Moise Keane was getting um, racially abused. Bonucci came out and said, it was your fault. You provoked them. It's no one's fault. No one deserves to have that thrown at them. And I just feel there's some mentalities that people think it's acceptable and it's okay to proceed with this. But as an Inter fan, and both you and I, Anthony, are from Australia, if you're racist, you're going to cop it. It's just not acceptable. And at the end of the day, it stands wherever you are in the world. And unfortunately... I don't like to say it, it's part of the game these days, but it's part of the game that needs to get rubbed out. And um, I do remember seeing the Curva Nord stepping up and saying it's all about passion and you've got to do what needs to be done in order to stop the other team from getting that goal. No, you don't. And I just feel they're setting themselves up and using that as an excuse for them to do it to someone when we play at the San Siro again. And I'll, I'll Quite frankly, it's a shameful thing, and I'd personally be ashamed if they do do it. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said, James. Can, can I add one thing? Of course. Uh, not only Kurvanor is releasing this statement, but also um, I understand that Inter and Lazio are uh, twins, but um, celebrating one of the Lazio um, ultra diabolic. Um, in the first game of the season, uh, that's that's insane. That's like, celeb- I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but the Lazio Ultras are extreme bright, and uh, they're like, you know, they go back to the fascism and or Nazism and all that kind of ugly shit. And uh, celebrating one of them, in our first game, that's that's. In, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start. To this yeah. is not part of the game. Yeah, when you play soccer, you play soccer. You go there, support the team. There's nothing to do with politics, racism, or that kind of shit. I mean, sport is something that should bring everybody together, and that's it. I I, I cannot believe that these people is. They think to represent us. That's that's insane. Yeah, humanity. If yeah, go on. If we want to change something, they should stop the games and give three points to the adversary, no matter what. If last year they were doing something for us like that, I would be completely fine. But then the supporters of the stadium and against them, they should do something too, because. The players, uh, they're, they're, you know, they don't deserve that. Like many of the supporters, they, they are no racist. So for a bunch of people to to lose a game and waste your time and money to go to the same because of this stupid, I mean, if the federation is not doing something, then our inter supporters or 
the team itself should do something first, just to set example, you know? I'd agree with saying the Federation definitely has to do something. I mean, because it's becoming an issue, not only in Italy, because, but it's becoming very frequent in the Premier League as well. It's becoming frequent in France. We saw Nice had an incident just last week. So as bad as it is in Italy, it's actually not subjective just to the Serie A. It's happening all across European football. So I'd agree something definitely needs to be done. Um, thank you, boys, for a very serious chat. And I'm so delighted to flip the conversation. Let's flip it to something not so serious. Mauro Icardi has exited the club. Mauro Icardi is no longer on the Inter roster and he will not play a game for us this season. Alessandro, I told you last time it was the last time. I told you, man. I told you it was the <laughs> last time we would have to speak about it. And it was. So he's done. And the best part about it is it looks like Wandanara might be uh, in a bit of trouble of losing her job at Tiki Taka as well. But you know what? I'm going to try and not be too petty because I've already said my petty fair share on YouTube. I'm going to throw this one out to Bruno so he can equalize the situation a little bit more. Bruno, what was your reaction to Mauro Icardi departing for PSG on an upfront zero loan with an option at 70 million at the end of the season? Look, and I'm always going to be the one person who has always supported Maro Akadi. And I just feel my support for him was as a player. Now, he became toxic. And as soon as it was announced, him and his wife were enforcing legal proceedings. Um, it just shows there is no passion there. And he's there for, this, he's there for the money. And nothing else. And it's as simple as that. Now, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him go to PSG. Um, I feel it's a lot better than him going to Juventus because I, I honestly worried about what the curve I would do when he did come back to the San Siro. Because he, in the last days before it all happened, he was receiving death threats. And, and we know what ultras can be like, but to see the back of him, I feel is a fantastic thing. I was very um, cautious leading up, but after the Cagliari game, to see the back of Maro Akari is satisfying because we can see now Conte has done with the team and how we have gotten that attacking mentality there because he was a prominent goal scorer. Our top three goal scorers for last season were Icardi, Perisic and Nangalan. We got rid of Nanglin and Perisic. Where were the goals going to come from? Lukaku can't, you know, there was 28 goals there. Who's going to cover them? Lukaku's not going to score 28. We've got to be realistic here. And I thought, with the Cardi gone, what's going to happen? But after all of that, I feel, I've got a peace of mind and good luck to him. Thank you for everything you've done for the club. But now it's time to fuck off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, all good, Simple man. as that. I, th I think most importantly is the fact that if he does succeed at PSG, it will benefit Inter. Like, you know, it's one thing to wish him unwell, but now that the fact that if he does succeed, PSG will, will really want to take up that $70 million option. It's another Marotta masterstroke, to be honest. He, he just knows exactly what he's doing left, right and centre, and I'm so happy he's at the club. Uh, in terms of Mauro departing, I would pretty much agree with everything you said, Bruno. He just... It exhausted his time here. And now I think most of the fans are just looking forward to the real Conte and Marotta project beginning 
this was the last piece of the puzzle to exit in order to make way for, for what's going to be a massive new, massive new project. Alessandro, your reaction to Mauro and Wanda finally departing on deadline day? That was incredible. I, I wouldn't expect anything like that, honestly. Uh, I, I was giving up my hopes and then the last second of this news breaks and uh, everything is happening so quickly. He renews the contract, goes to Paris, passes the test, boom, done. It was like we spent months and months waiting for something like that to happen. We have to wait until the very last day, the very last hour of transfer window to happen. I was ecstatic and don't get me wrong, I have nothing against the Icardi player, but this whole situation was, uh, as you guys said, was toxic and it wasn't good for anybody for Icardi to stay. So I wish him well. I hope he's going to win as much as possible with PSG. And um, in one year, um, if, if they want to keep him, that's fantastic. Uh, otherwise, we'll see what, what Marotta is going to do at that point. But for now, we're going to have a whole season without anybody, um, any drama or anything. So Conte can build a, a good team as he intended from the first day. So, uh, or what? That's it. <laughs> uh, awesome. In terms of the Mercato, it obviously closed um, a couple of days ago, or what feels like a couple of days ago. Maybe it's a little bit less. Um, but overall, I think Inter had a fantastic Mercato. Looking at the deadline deals and things that happened, nothing really struck me as amazing. Henrik Mkhitaryan going over to Roma. Eh, it's okay. Is he going to fix their problems? Probably not. Um, Ante Rebic uh, went to, what's it called? Went to Milan. Um, I don't think any players, I don't know if any of you guys really wanted him at Inter. Bruno, did you want him at Inter? No, I had no intentions in getting him. And like you said, transfer deadline day, nothing exciting happened for Inter. But that's the beauty of it. They did their their work, their hard work early on to get the team together as quickly as possible. Mkhitaryan, uh, he was the one from United for Roma, Smalling, I think it was. Um, you know, Rebic, they're joining a squad which has already played their preseason together. They've already been two games deep into the Serie A. It's going to take time to find the balance. Conte, Marotta, their businessmen, they want to get their, their shit done as soon as possible to have stability. And I think that's what they've done. And I think that was the successful part of the inter-transfer market. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, just staying on you, Bruno, for a sec, man, because I know you're a big Diego Godin fan. I wanted to talk about that for a sec. Diego Godin came on and put in a little solid cameo for about eight or nine minutes. Um, I had a question come in. I was going to leave it to the end, but I actually wanted to move it forward. I had a fan write in, Daniele from Adelaide. Shout out to you. Thank you very much. Diego Godin made his debut today and did well. When do you guys think he will make his full debut for Inter? Do you think it will be against Slavia Prague in the Champions League, considering his pedigree in the competition? Brilliant question. Before I go to Alessandro Bruno, you think Diego Godin will make his debut against Slavia Prague? Are you impressed with how he turned out against um, Cagliari? And how excited are you for him, man? Because I don't care about his age. 
he just looked really comfortable and really good when he got on the ball. And you got to remember, he, he didn't feature for us for a while, but he was one of our first signings. So going on what you said before, he's someone who's been in the minds of the project and a big part of the project for a long time. And he was integrated with ease. Yeah, look, it, it, it was announced in January, February, that Godin was going to be joining Inter on a free transfer. So he's obviously been part of the plan. And I feel January, February was when the board decided Spalletti needs to go and Conte is going to come in. And um, Godin, he, it's not so much for what he does on the field as a player, as an individual. I feel his experience for both um, Champions League, uh, playing in Spain, um, and for the national team, plays a massive part. Now we've got a player who um, we've got. We had a player in Perisic who played a World Cup final. Nangelen, who was part of what we can call most probably the best Belgium team this world has ever seen. Um, and you know, it's that experience. And when you're getting rid of some core players, you need someone to come in, not to do the hard work, but you need someone to come in to just guide the players. Make sure, you know, someone who can get, give that halftime motivational speech, who can be on that field and tell people where to go, what to do. I feel Spalletti, uh, Spalletti sorry, I feel Conte is going to be doing um, marvellous things with this guy. And um, I can't see him playing, you know, 90-minute games week in, week out, um, especially with the first game in the Champions League. We've got... Slavia Praha, then we've got Milan Derby, then we've got Lazio. There's three big games in a row and we need to have that high rotation of players, which we do have. And Diego Godin, he's one of those players that, with his experience, with his mentality, he's got the same mentality as Conte. He wants to win, 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 and he is hungry. And even if you win 4-0 like we did against Lecce, he is the one player who'll turn around and say, we won 4-0, but it should have been 5 we won 4-0, but we could have cost us here. And that's what you need in the team. And I just feel him as a player, he, he will bring a lot to the club. Yeah, well said, bro. Alessandro, a couple of questions in there for you to cover. First of all, did you care much for Rebic coming in? Or are you happy to see him go to Milan? And obviously, what did you make of Diego Godin's cameo? And are you excited for him being a great part of the project? So yeah, the first with the second part, um, absolutely happy. Um, I follow Atletico Madrid when I can, so um, I mean um, that's that's good. That's good to have you know, our team, no matter how much he's gonna play for us. Just having, as Bruno was saying, just having a player like that with us, with our young player. Um, it's going to make a lot of difference. And I don't know if he's going to play with Slavia Praha or not, but it doesn't matter. Um, as we saw the last 10 minutes of the Cagliari game, he came in and that was game over, basically. It was, there was no way for any striker to, to get any ball at that point. So that was impressive. And about Rebic, I, I don't really care. Maybe now that I said that, it's going to score against us in the derby. But I <laughs> And plus, I think there is some way, um, like uh, some part of Rebic that was still 
being paid through us or something weird like that. So if we bought um, uh, Rebage, then Fiorentina has some part. I don't know. I don't know exactly what was the deal, but at this point, I'm just fine. We went to Milan and we have Sanchez. That's, I think we had a better deal. Yeah, and that's the next topic we're talking about as well. Alexis Sanchez is an interplayer, boys. Alexis Sanchez, man, I watched him because, you know, I watched the Premier League in Australia. We all watched the Premier League. But the way that he used to play for Arsenal was nothing short of world class. The way he played for Udinese in the Serie A when he started out caught everyone's eye and he was consistent at Barcelona as well. Obviously, his career took a massive downward spiral at Manchester United. An absolutely ridiculous paycheck at $360,000 per week. But Don Marotta, Don Beppe, masterstroke again, has basically gotten Alexis Sanchez to take a pay cut before confirming to Manchester United that they would have to pay a, a fair share of his wages as well. I don't know the exact figure, but I know it's only at about 120, 130 maximum per week that Inter are playing Alexis Sanchez. It wouldn't be surprise me if it's a little bit less. I, for one, am very, very excited to have a player of this caliber on our team. I think under Antonio Conte, he can thrive in whatever role he's given, whether it's as a second striker, a number 10, or even a center forward. Um, he might even play out wide from time to time. Obviously, his defensive contribution is fairly minimal to none. But I, for one, am extremely excited to see Alexis Sanchez. Bruno, you first. Your reaction on Alexis, how happy are you? Look, um, I've always been a fan of Alexis Sanchez and I just feel he didn't fit into the United structure. Um, and you look you look at his performances with Chile, you look at his performances with Udinese, you look at his performances with Arsenal. He's a great player and I just feel he did not get to play his game and the way he wanted to play at Manchester United. Now, in saying that, he also has not played under Conte. And as we can see with, let's say, for instance, Antonio Condreva, Conte changes you as a player, as an individual. I've never seen a man run so much in 90 minutes, let alone a man who we criticised heavily last season. And I just think, one, he's a fantastic holder of the ball. Two, that that partnership with um, Lukaku is is incredible, and the friendship you've seen the friendship through social media. You saw it on the pitch when they were at Manchester United. That's something you need in your team. You need you're not just teammates. You're friends. You're a family, and I feel Sanchez is already part of that family. Now I don't know if you boys have been keeping up with the inter social medias, the players' social medias. The boys are going out for dinners, um, karaoke. I've never seen Lukaku sing. But, you know, they look like a massive group of friends and a big family who are going to stick by each other. You want your family to have each other's back. And I feel like that's what Sanchez has already done. Sanchez has done this in the week he's been with Inter. And Icardi was with Inter for six years and he wasn't able to do that. And I just feel he's going to be that pivotal player. Now, are we going to be using him as much as what we would like? Probably not. But you've got to think, Conte is a master at chess. And he is someone who would sacrifice his queen to win the game. And I just feel 
that's what's happening. And we just got to let this game of chess play out. But the purchase of uh, Sanchez and this beautiful stroke of um, amazingness from Marotta in the negotiations is amazing. Like I read, I think it was um, online, and it said that the portion of Sanchez's wage that Manchester United is paying weekly is higher than any other player on the United uh, on the Liverpool team weekly. And they're paying it. They're paying Sanchez this amount of money to play for a different club. When Liverpool just won the Champions League and they haven't increased the wages of their players to that point of Sanchez. So it's very impressive. Very, very impressive, man. Uh, Alessandro, your reaction to Alexis Sanchez becoming an interplayer and us adding a player of his world-class calibre to our roster? Uh, I thought it was a win-win no matter what's going to happen. You know, it's on loan. We don't have any obligation at the end of the year. If he's... Um, as good as it was at Udinese, if it's just the Premier League that doesn't fit him and is thriving in Serie A, that's awesome. At the end of the year, we, we can uh, discuss with Manchester United and hopefully get the player. Otherwise, um, you know, he just does a good year with us and help us get as higher as possible. And if it doesn't work out, uh, what are we going to lose? Nothing. So <laughs> whatever happened, um, we, we are not risking that much. And uh, he's, uh, as, as you guys were saying, um, he already knows Lukaku. He already knows Serie A. And uh, it's, I feel is that kind of player that once he gets the trust of the coach and the other people of the team, he can destroy the adversary. Uh, in my opinion, he didn't have the trust in Manchester United, and so it wasn't anymore a good player. But I, I don't have the, I cannot see the future, so I don't know what's going to happen. I just hope for the best, and uh, if it doesn't happen, we still have um, a player that can contribute. In, in some way. So we'll see. What do you, what do you reckon? Mm, I would say I agree with pretty much everything you say. It's very, very low risk. If it doesn't work out, we'll have to just send him back to Manchester United and then they've got a whole other $360,000 problem a week on their hand, but that's none of our business really. Um, if it does work out, then I completely trust Marotta to make the right call. He'll probably negotiate something ridiculous where we pick him up for 15 million euro or something really stupid like that. So either way, it's a win-win, very low risk for us, very high risk for Manchester United. They're behaving like a complete idiotic club at the moment. Uh, we got three really good questions to get through before we end. This one actually came through before deadline day finished. Um, so I really wanted to answer it beforehand, but I didn't. But it's a good question, so I want to throw it out to the boys anyway. Uh, you're in charge of deadline day. You're sitting right next to Beppe Marotta, and he says, write one name on a piece of paper, anybody, but in brackets, make it realistic. And that is from No Name. Never mind. Thanks for the really, really good question, No Name. Uh, Bruno, it's a really, really good one. Man, what do you think? Look, any name. But to be realistic, it's it, it, it's hard because you look at the team and what they've done so far. 
and what they did throughout the whole season, um, pre-season in their purchases. You struggle to find that one name that will bring it as well as being realistic. So I'd have to say Kiesa because um, it's as realistic as we can get at the moment. Um, I'd love to see Kiesa there. But in saying that, um, if I was to go outside of the Serie A, Gareth Bale. That's Gareth probably Bale. those two names. Fair enough, bro. Uh, it was actually from Alex from LA. I knew I accidentally pressed enter. I didn't want you to go and shout it out for that question because it was a really good one. Um, I'll say my next and then I'll go to Alessandro. I actually wrote this down. I thought because there were whispers of a swap with Icardi at the time that I read the message, I'm like, oh man, well, we obviously need a real, we, we need a central midfielder. We've been, I would say Milinkovic Savic would be the first name I write down. But then I thought to myself, if we were sending Icardi in the Paris Saint-Germain region, we might as well bring in Verratti. I'm a huge fan of Verratti. He's played under Conte before. His style would suit Serie A once again, and he would integrate himself brilliantly into a system that already has complementing midfielders of that nature. He would represent the Italian core to the core. And I, that's what I would do if he says, said, give me one name. I would have said, Pepe, if you're sending Mauro in that direction, bring Marco back here for sure. Alessandro, what would you say, Look, man? If we wanted, a, if we wanted an injury-prone player, then oh, definitely Verratti is the one. But he's just too, too, too small and too injury-prone. <laughs> you had your turn, bro. That's Alessandro's booking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I actually like the Verratti call, but um, I will bring in somebody who can help us with a free kick. And um, the first name that came to mind, and maybe because of the first game of the season, was the Paul. Uh, that's a player that we already um, tried to get in the winter transfer window. Uh, there was some talk and blah, blah, and, and nothing happened. So I don't know, maybe it's not somebody that Conte likes. But then I thought, and I don't know how realistic that could be, but um, Ericsson. That could be another option, especially because next year is the last year of his contract. So next year we can actually get it, like in a Codine case, um, without paying any fee. And uh, in that case, if we will have any um, uh, any concrete offer to make them, maybe they, they would like to hear them. Uh, but nothing of this happened, of course. So probably... Uh, I hope um, they're, they're working on getting a, a good player. I know there is at least like 20 names um, in their last year of contract. So I, I hope at least one or two are going to get our way. Yeah, and if there's, any, if there's anybody in the world that's going to pull it off, it's, it's the boss man boss himself, and it's Don Beppe Marotta. Um, Christian Eriksen, one of the best players in the world in terms of linking midfield to attack. And I think he would be fantastic. A few rumors have already circulated that Inter might be in the mix for him, but we're just joining a host of names like Manchester City, United, Madrid, everybody who's going to be going for his signature. Um, I really don't think he's going to sign an extension with Tottenham. He knows he's nice and close to the end. He probably thinks he's doing them a favor by um, staying this long into his contract. 
So he's he's definitely on the move. Uh, last couple of questions, which is uh, two questions in one. It's from Stefano in Italy. I don't know where he just said Italy. Um, who is your favorite signing of Inter's Mercato and can you rate it out of five? For me, it was Barella for 99.99% of the time, but I'm going to say Stefano Sensi's just been that good in the first two games. Sensi is the signing for me of the Mercato. $5 million loan with an option to buy. We're going to redeem it for no problem at all, and it's just going to be a really easy deal and an efficient player that's going to play for us for a long time. He's already said how much he loves the club and an honor it is to be here. And when you combine that with Nicola Barella being an Interesta, we've just set the core of our midfield for, man, Let's hope many successful years to come. Alessandro, I'll start with you this time. Uh, oh, sorry. And the second part of the question, rate it out of five. I'm going to give it a four, four out of five. Um, I prefer to rate out of 10, but I'll give it a four out of five. I think the only thing that disappoints me is that when we got rid of some of our players, maybe we didn't get rid of them on a permanent basis. All three of the troublemakers that we've gotten rid of are actually only gone on loan. So I'm not too sure what's going to happen at the end of the season. Um, I'm not even going to discuss which of the three I would take back. That's for another time. But I would give our Mercato a rating of four and Sensi the best one. Alessandro, you first. I agree with the four rating for the same reasons. Um, I just want to add that this is basically the first uh, transfer window with Marotta. And I think it did a fantastic job. And it wasn't easy, especially if we, with all the... Um, all the press that was around Icardi and all these different players, he was able anyway to send them on loan somewhere. So that I, I feel like that was really impressive because uh, if another team knows that you want to sell a player and there is all this toxicity around him, getting rid of him, it's, it's, it's getting hard. I mean, if you look at Juventus, just to say one name, they have a lot of players they're trying to get rid of, and they were not able to. They have a lot of midfielders, they have Manduhic, they have a lot of players they're, they're trying to get rid of, Iguain himself, and, and they're all still there. So I think that's a big plus that we, we, we accomplish, at least that. Um, and then the, the player... Um, I, I stick with Barella. I, I really hope he's going to have a great season. Yeah, I would agree. And Bruno, finish us off for the day, brother. Rate the Mercato out of five, and who's your favorite signing? Look, uh, Mercato out of five, I'd give it a six in the eyes of looking at the past. You know, five, six Mercatos we've had, you know, even eight, nine. Um, I've said to you, Earlier, I feel it's the best Mercato we've had in a very long time. And I just feel they saw the problem. They didn't get no band-aids to cover it and hope it gets better. They went out there. And just not just the players we purchased, but the way we bullied Juventus, especially with the Lukaku sale, it just showed the world that Inter's not here to play games anymore. We're here and we're serious and we're going to do whatever needs to be done to get the job done. And I just feel that's exactly what happened with this Mercato. They, they stamped their foot on the, uh, they put their foot on the throats of the Serie A and said, well, look, we're here and we're, put, we're not playing games anymore. We're serious and we're going to win this league. 
And you know what? Is it a Scudetto winning team? On paper, it's very hard to go past Juventus again because of the whole Cristiano Ronaldo factor, Dybala, and their, you know, their position up front. But it's the best transfer window I've seen in a very long time. The best player in the transfer market that we've gotten is... You've, you've said Barella, you've said Sensi, and they're both fantastic. Barella's yet to show me his value. Sensi has shown me we went to the reject shop and got a freaking bargain. Um, but I'd have to say, all in all, you put all the, you know, you, you dot your I's and cross your T's. Um, uh, Lukaku. He's brought, Fair enough. Spot, he brought the spotlight onto Inter. Showing the world is now looking at Inter again because of that them getting him as a player. Um, he 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 came to the team with open arms and he scored in both his starts for the club. And I just feel he he's doing a lot more for Inter off the pitch in the eyes of free marketing, on the eyes of people who don't follow the Serie A as much, um, you know, and jersey sales than what he's doing on the pitch. And that says a lot. Yeah, well, we all know that for the last, like, six or seven years, the only shining light at Inter has been Mauro Icardi, both on and off the pitch. Like, for us, off the pitch, he's had his differences, but he's the only marketability that Inter have had as a club, really, whether he's in the headlines for the right or the wrong reasons. And when it became basically public knowledge that we were getting rid of him, we needed someone to replace him. Lukaku was the chosen one. Then you throw into the mix that he plays for Manchester United, the most marketable club in the world, and it was really two birds with one stone. So I completely agree and understand where you're coming for there, Bruno, in terms of Lukaku his appeal and marketability off the pitch it was a no-brainer and whoever's responsible at the club for getting most of that done we take our hats off to them um, guys that's going to be all we have time for We've I have a one play. question Go I have it. one question for you guys okay I have one question for you guys Internazionale was a club which was established to um, bring the international flair to the Serie A the international players to bring them to a team do you feel we're losing a bit of that with a lot of Italians being on the team? I know it's a very controversial question, but do you feel we're, we're, we're losing a bit of our DNA? Alessandro? Alessandro, go first. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Um, I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think so. Um, we still have players uh, that are not Italians, but we... I mean, um, if you look at what happened um, at Juventus uh, in uh, the last 10 years and Milan before that, the core of the team, uh, of those teams, was Italian. And um, maybe, I mean, probably because it's Serie A, it's Italian league, so they know better how to, to, let's say, work the system or at least... Uh, was the the base of the game there, um, but I, that doesn't mean that we cannot integrate other players. I mean, if you look at all the players we have, uh, there is people from all over the world, South America, Africa, Europe. So uh, having a core from one specific country. Uh, I think it's just good. 
if you look at, uh, at the team we had when we won the tripleta, I think a lot of people was from Argentina and Brazil. Um, so it, it doesn't matter that it's Italy or another country, but um, having a core of people speak the same language, they have the same background, and um, you know all these things, I, I think, just help. And uh, if you look at Conte's past and Marotta's past, they always had an Italian core and an Italian group of players. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, I feel Internazionale is going to be always, is, is going to always welcome people from anywhere in the world, no matter what. Yeah, I would have to agree for the most part. It's definitely good if people are going to be speaking the same um, language, especially in training and in terms of talking about tactics. And, you know, it's kind of expected that international players coming into Italy will, will be expected to learn the host language. So it always helps in, in that sense as well. I would also agree that, you know, um, in the past, the teams who've won the Scudetto, when Milan and Juventus had their dominance, it was built on an Italian core. We also need to remember that in the past seven or eight years, we've had very minimal Italian presence in our team. Nokia and Santon pretty much as the only two um, Italian representatives for a couple of years, a few years in a row. And then slowly we started to integrate one or two mores. I can't even remember off the top of my head. I know there was one um, Galliardini obviously coming in as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that now we're building a core that suits Conte, Marotta, their history. And at the end of the day, as Alessandro said, we'll welcome players from anywhere in the world as long as they suit the, the footballing project, which at the end of the day is the most important project. Um, if that's all that the gentlemen want to speak about tonight, I'm happy to call it at that. It's been a very, very nice podcast. I want to thank Bruno very much for joining me. Thanks, Bruno, bro. Thank you for having me. Forza Inter. Forza Inter. And Alessandro, thanks for coming on again, bro. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Always so good to talk about our team with you guys. All right. Sounds fantastic. And from all of us here at Inter Worldwide, Forza Inter. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao. Yeah.